Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. All right, on this episode of Career Crashers, I am joined by Ben Mercer. Really excited to have you on here, Ben. I uh, was introduced to you by a, a, a mutual acquaintance and uh, went and looked you up. And man, you are definitely a career crasher. So let's, let's start right with the punchline. You played professional rugby and then made the transition from that into what? What was that? What came next and how did that go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's still in progress, I suppose. Uh, but to begin with, I kind of took a while after I, I took a bit of holiday after I immediately stopped playing, kind of went away, took a couple of trips. Then I was kind of experimenting, did a couple of months work in different businesses near where I'm from back in the UK. And since then, I've kind of transitioned into more of a kind of freelance writing, digital project managing, kind of hybrid role with various different people. So that's sort of what I'm doing at the minute. So let's let's wind it back a little bit. How did you get into rugby at the professional level in the first place? Was that something you had as like a childhood dream or goal? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I started playing rugby when I was at school, so I was only about seven. And once I was kind of in my teens, I started getting picked for like local representative teams and got into the academy system of like there's a professional club Bath, which, uh, you know, one of the bigger teams in the UK. And I got picked in their sort of junior system. So once I was in that, then I started, sort of developed the goal of playing professionally and uh, I actually went to university for a few years, which probably delayed that a little bit. But after that, then, yeah, I, I got a professional contract and, yeah, I just did that. So this, like most of your childhood and most of your early, you know, life and early career, was rugby the only focus? Like, were you thinking then, what am I going to do when I'm done playing rugby? Or did you not have any thought about that? Um, I was one of those kids, I was probably quite annoying. So I was sort of, I was always in all the sports teams, but I was, quite good at my schoolwork as well. So I was super busy. I didn't really have any spare time. So I was always just trying to do all my work and do all my sports practice. And yeah, I mean, I, I never had a very clear idea of what I wanted to do for a job apart from play rugby. Uh, my parents are doctors, so I'd sort of seen their lifestyle and knew that that wasn't for me. You know, I saw how busy they were and stuff. So at least I knew a few things I didn't want to do. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that's a common theme, by the way, that knowing what you don't want to do is more important often early on than knowing exactly what you do want to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I found since leaving sport actually, um, cause it kind of got to the point with rugby where I knew I didn't want to do it anymore. And then actually with the kind of little experiments I was doing after, after I stopped, I was like, okay, well I like this about that, but I didn't like that. So, you know, it's, like you say, it's just as valuable finding things I didn't like as, as things I did. So tell me more about, Playing rugby at the professional level, I mean, how many years did you do this? And I'm assuming that means your your whole life is essentially about like maintaining and taking care of your body and preparing for matches. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the weird things about about sport is um, in a way you, you kind of think oh, I'm not actually working that many hours because obviously you can only train so many times in the day and all that sort of thing. But actually you're being paid for all the time you spend looking after yourself in your downtime. You know, you're being paid to not go out drinking or, you know, um, to not go skateboarding or whatever it is, you know, that you actually might like to do with your spare time. So 
it's a funny it's a funny way around when you think about it kind of per hour you know you're always on duty really whereas you know other people they get to go home from work and put it down and forget about it you kind of you're kind of always on um which is a which is an odd way you know sort of different perspective on it when, when did you decide it was time to uh to to hang up the cleats <laughs> i don't know if they're i don't know if you wear cleats in rugby yeah yeah no they're okay. still cleats but um yeah we're well boots okay but, uh, boots yeah, boots. yeah no, they're the same thing the um yeah so the last year i was playing I was in france it was my fourth year at the same team and it had become a little bit uh like those sort of problems with with the money in the team and things like that and i was getting older so for a rugby player you know in your 30s you're, you're retiring and i was turning 30 I'd stopped kind of enjoying what I was doing and the team quite happy for me to move on to. And after that, I was a bit like, well, you know, this has gone great. You've had a great time, but um, it's not going to get easier to kind of change jobs. So you might as well just, you know, take it on the chin and get on with it. You know? Wow. So when you made that decision, did you have something lined up or that you wanted to do next or what, what was your immediate sort of next step? No, I didn't. Um, I didn't have anything lined up. I I looked into playing rugby somewhere else a little bit. There wasn't anything that stood out for me, and there are certain ways about it you you can do where you can kind of go part time. You can find a team somewhere else. So Hong Kong and Singapore are particularly good destinations for that, where people go and play part time and they kind of get a job through a sponsor or through the club, and then they kind of figure it out after that. But um, I had kind of personal ties back here so that wasn't really an avenue I seriously considered so for me it was more like okay you're in you're not in that bad a spot you've got a lot of runway to kind of uh take your time and experiment a bit rather than have to kind of get a kind of job immediately I suppose so so that that can be worse sometimes too though because I know like if you're forced to do something because you have no choice in some ways it relieves the mental burden of like picking the perfect thing um and I know sometimes if you're in that position where you've got a little bit of runway, you've got some time, did that put a lot of pressure on you to like figure out the perfect next thing? Oh, I've got to do something really grand or whatever. You know, what was that process like and kind of where are you now since then? No, I'd say that's definitely, um, that's actually a really good point. Because if you're kind of forced, you just sort of jump in something, get on with it and, and there you go and then you're just moving. Whereas, yeah, if you, when you've got a bit of time, you do end up kind of um, overthinking your next step potentially. And I am a bit of a procrastinator. I love researching. I'm a big reader, you know, I'm ha- I'll happily go deep on, on a topic. So, you know, if you think with careers, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy to sort of do all that, but actually you're right. Sometimes you're best off just taking a bit of a, taking a bit of a leap in something. And if it, if it doesn't figure out, it's not, bit, it's not that big a problem. <laughs> Whereas you're right. If you have the more time you have, the more pressure you can put on the decision. Um, I think I've got to a point now I'm kind of getting past that mindset a little bit, but that's uh, part of the reason I kind of got into um, your work and people like uh, Seth Godin and people that are talking about shipping work and just getting things done and finishing things and moving on. So that's something I'm trying to kind of implement with my own approach now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget when I first came across the book, um, the war of art by mm-hmm. Stephen Pressfield, uh, and I had been challenged by a friend to start blogging every day, do daily blogging. And I read that book and I started that blogging challenge. And that just like shifted everything. It was such a big 
to overcome that, like, oh, well, it's got to be great. It's got to be perfect. You know, everything, I, everything that I put out has to be this wonderful thing. And the biggest thing that I realized when I start, and, you know, I've, I've seen this with a lot of people, is first you're afraid that, you know, people are going to misunderstand your thing or it's not going to be good. And then you realize that, well, the first problem is that nobody's reading it <laughs> at all. Like, first you need to get readers before you can have readers that get upset or dislike you. Um, okay, so I went on your site, which is beautiful, by the way, very well designed, and well, you've got you. all kinds of interesting content there. Um, you're doing some consulting work, learning a lot of no-code tools to help people and businesses, um, you know, with the various processes that they're using, you know, op optimizing them with some really cool tools. You've obviously taught yourself that. You've got this really cool section on uh, scholar athletes, and you have all this sort of research you've put in on different people. Um, Tell me a little bit more about this idea of the scholar athlete and, and when did this come about and what are you hoping to do with this if, you're, if you know? Yeah, that's an, it's an interesting one. So there's a Plato quote saying that the scholar athlete is the ideal citizen, um, the man of thought and the man of action. So, I mean, you could obviously, uh, it'd be nice to include women in that as well and anyone else who'd like to be, uh, who'd like to be in there. But it's just, I think um, your physical, your kind of physical well-being and your kind of mental and emotional well-being, they're all kind of tied together. And so I was, I was looking for people uh, in particular who are kind of at the top of athletics or, you know, professional sport, but who do have a kind of other outlet or passion that they're kind of pursuing at the same time. And I think uh, partly for athletes, they're sort of almost encouraged to be monomaniacal in pursuit of their, of their sport. And actually, with things that are coming out now, I mean, there's a great book, Range, by David Epstein, that sort of advocates the generalist and how sometimes if you're a kind of um, maybe like a multi-potentiate or somebody who can kind of uh, see into various different areas, you might find solutions that, you know, potentially don't present themselves to other people. So I was interested in finding athletes, really, who kind of did have this other outlet for their expression. So I really like um, Jalen Brown, the kind of Boston Celtics guy. He seems to have loads of other stuff going on, like languages, instruments. He's got a sort of investment thing he's doing, I think. So it's kind of people like that. I was interested in, in their approach to life. And that's the sort of also the creative approach I like. So my kind of creative hero is Kanye West, you know, who's, who is somebody, people I think get the wrong idea about him. And he's someone who's quite happy to have a kind of beginner growth mindset and go and find uh, other domain experts where he doesn't know anything about it. He'll kind of join up with them. He'll learn everything from them, support their work, and then he'll kind of integrate that into what he's doing. So it's that approach I find really inspiring. And that's kind of the thing I'm trying to do for myself. Uh, yeah, where that sort of will go, if I could do any kind of professional work in that regard, I'm not sure. But, you know, I'm just going to follow that interest for the moment. Man, that is really inspiring. It's interesting. I've noticed a trend. I mean, I'm a big sports fan and kind of all the major American sports anyway. Um, and I've noticed just so much in recent, you know, years that athletes, professional athletes, one, they have a lot more agency than they ever did before in terms of managing their brand and things like that. And even just on the business end with contracts. But two, there's been, it seems, an increasing recognition of the needs to build a more holistic life to prepare for life after sports or things in addition to sports, even while you're playing. And I've noticed in like the Silicon Valley startup ecosystem, there's more and more professional athletes are starting to try to get involved in doing like angel investing and stuff, which may or may not be a good idea necessarily, <laughs> but just the concept of being more than just 
playing the sport and then you're done. And, and with, you know, I mean, we've, we've all heard this sort of anecdotally and I think there's some research to back it up that like when you retire, like you kind of die, like when you stop working sometimes literally. And in sports, when that, that comes so early, 30, 40 at the latest for most sports, um, you know, that can be a really tough thing. And I remember in previous generations, you'd often see, you know, people who had played professional sports, one, they, they might get like super out of shape or they just kind of be like washed up. They wouldn't have anything to do. I think that's more rare now and there's more of a recognition, but that's only for maybe the higher profile people that I'm familiar with. I know there's tons of people who play at the collegiate level or the semi-pro level or have shorter careers. Um, and I've, I've got to imagine that's a very difficult transition to make. Um, so I'm curious, what are you, I know you've talked to other pro rugby players or other people coming out of other sports. If you were to like do something or, or offer some thoughts or advice to, to people in that situation, like what, what gets you excited? What do you think needs to happen there to help that occur? I think, um, well, there's a great quote about athletes where it's, uh, it could apply to anybody who kind of great men die twice. And it's like they die once as great and once as men. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing with, you know, sports people. It's like, you know, you go from being particularly if you're top, top level, you know, top of the world. And then, you know, people move on from you very quickly. But I think the thing that's kind of uh, applicable to anybody is that to hang your hat on one thing is a very dangerous thing for you to do because, you know, if that thing falls through for you um, and you don't have to be an athlete for that to happen, you could, you know, maybe work with your hands and, you know, you, you break your hand or, you know, whatever it is. And it's, it's easily done. So I suppose diversifying your identity somehow. So, you know, joining up with communities of people who are into different things or find, you know, pursuing your other interests, like no matter in sort of how big or small a way, you know, it will help you kind of negotiate, I think. So, I think the other thing is with kind of um, sometimes with the athletes, like co collegiate athletes, probably a good example where, you know, they're not being paid. And um, I think that, you know, in the US, that's obviously quite contentious. But um, I think with those people, they, are, they probably identify more as an athlete than maybe someone who's a top, top athlete because they're somebody who does that thing for free, you know, and a top athlete, you know, they get paid and they get the kind of attendant benefits of sponsors and status and, you know, a really well-followed Instagram account or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, but I think like the kind of people who do things for the love of the game, the people that are in a bit more precarious position there, you know, in some ways. I love the phrase you said uh, to diversify your identity a little bit. I think that's a really good way to think about it. And, you know, it's interesting as I was, as I was looking up your website and everything, and you've got all this interesting stuff there. Um, it really coincides with something that I talk about a lot, which is kind of having a body of work and a way that your interests and abilities, things you're learning about are findable and discoverable because it's, you know, everybody, whether you're a professional athlete or you're totally specialized in any one thing, Everybody has other interests as well. And I've, always, I've often been surprised where I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, oh, I'm really passionate about, you know, whatever, personal finance. And I'll go Google them and I would never know that. And if, it, if I could know it, if it was findable, there's all kinds of opportunities that might arise there. Uh, and so I feel like a lot of people, they feel like maybe they have to be an expert before they share something. But as you mentioned, Kanye West is an example, like not being afraid to be a novice and sharing your learnings out loud. Your website has some of that stuff too. Hey, here's some things that I'm currently learning. I'm currently thinking about 
doesn't mean I'm saying I'm an expert here, but I'm sharing this. And that way, if somebody sees that and they're like, oh my gosh, you're interested in this. So is this other guy. Let me connect you. Like those opportunities are really, um, you know, I think those are really important, not being afraid to, to kind of learn out loud and uh, let your let your identity, your sort of brand be seen and be known by people. And, and, and the generalist idea too, not just for athletes, but it's kind of what makes us the most human. You know, when you think about automation or whatever, replacing different jobs and different functions, the more creative and broad and like, you know, the generalist, the tinkerer, that's kind of the human spirit and keeping that cultivated, I think it's pretty important, you know? No, I agree. I think um, one of the things is also kind of like almost like be weirder, like the, 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 the kind of more disparate things you can kind of combine that you probably already have within yourself, you know, like the more public, like you said, that you can make that, the, the more interesting you come across and the, and the more people you're going to maybe be able to speak to or, you know, or connect with. Yeah, that's um, such a great point. It's that, that nexus of interest often. So like for you, now, whatever else you do that's interesting, the fact that you can add professional rugby player and chef or and scholar or <laughs> and whatever, that's instantly more interesting than just one of those things. And I think that's a, that's a really cool. Um, so yeah, especially if you are specialized, it doesn't mean all hope is lost. That can be a huge advantage for whatever else you, you take that with you into. So um, give me just a little bit of uh, what are your kind of goals for you know, the next step, the next unit of time, however you're thinking about it. Yeah. I just, well, this is something I'm, I'm constantly kind of trying to figure out for myself. To be honest. Well, I've just published a book and I'm thinking about how I can follow that up. And it's a book uh, and, about playing rugby at the professional level, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it's about, um, it's basically, it's based on the last four years that I played, which were in France, but it sort of ducks off to talk about, um, you know, like beyond just myself. So, what it's like to be a professional at that level or, you know, maybe a particular issue around maybe taking drugs or, you know, like sort of things that crop up as topics around sport and, and living as an athlete. Um, so I've just done that. And I think what I, what I'd like to do is, I mean, it was partly a sort of project for me to cap my rugby career, which was a nice thing to do is also a bit of a kind of create your credentials sort of situation and learn a few new skills. So I'm thinking about maybe doing a few podcast episodes, like expanding on the themes of the book and speaking to different people who could kind of shed a bit more light on things I talk about in the book as well. So I think as a first, you know, next step, that's something that I, that I think I'm going to pursue. And then beyond that, I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn, like you said, these no code tools and things like that, see if I can kind of spin up some digital products for myself, but we'll see. I love it. I love it. That's really interesting. You said that the book is kind of a, an end cap to the, you know, the rugby. I, I have come to find that those are really important, kind of those symbolic, like, okay, I'm finishing one phase of life, but doing some kind of recap, writing about it, publishing a book about it, doing something to kind of give it a proper send off can be a really nice way to sort of get started into the next thing. So where can people find more about you and find your book and follow what you're up to? Well, people can find the book on Amazon. It is, it's there. It's called Fringes, Life on the Edge of Professional Rugby. And if anyone wants to find me, they can go to my website, which is benmercer.me, or they can you know, find me on Twitter. And my handle is where benmercer2, the number two. 
Awesome. I'm going to go pick up the book. I, I've from just browsing your website and everything. You're a great writer. You're, you're very like clearly a good thinker and just a, an interesting person. So I can tell that you are, you are living out what you're trying to, what, what you're talking about here, kind of being more well-rounded, having a diverse identity. Um, and it's, it, it got me excited to see just the, you know, the, the willingness to share that stuff. And uh, I'm excited for you on this next step in your journey. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Hey, well, thanks for having me. And you've been, uh, you know, like reading your own work's been an inspiration for me while I've been making, you know, like taking these steps. So thanks for that. And thanks for having me. Awesome, man. We'll keep in touch. Cheers. Like what you hear? Go to crash.co and join the career revolution. If you want to share your own career crash story, send it directly to me at Isaac at crash.co. 